Well, hey, and welcome to the Quad City Podcast, where we are on mission to make more and better disciples of Jesus everywhere, always. We're so glad you're joining us in that today. Well, before we dive into today's sermon, would you do me a quick favor? Would you go ahead and open your app store and search Quad City Christian Church? Download our app because it's the best way to stay connected with what's happening here at Quad City. If you're new, joining us for the first time, click that new here form as we'd love to reach out and connect with you. You could also submit prayer requests and even give on that same app. It's the best way to stay connected here at Quad City. Well, hey, now that that's out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into our sermon from Sunday. We hope you enjoy. Jason, I'm one of the pastors here. We are honored that you've chosen to start your week off by worshiping with us here at Quad City Christian Church. I want to welcome all of those who are joining us online from whenever and wherever you are. So grateful to have you, as well as those out in Prescott Valley. Welcome to you. So grateful for you today. If you are here at the Prescott campus, welcome. If you're a newcomer with us, I would love the opportunity to get to know you. Uh, so out in the lobby, off to the left, we have a place we call Pastor's Point. I'd invite you to come over and introduce yourself before you head out today. For those in Prescott Valley, you can stop by Connection Central, and our pastors there would love to connect with you as well. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them on or turn them to Romans chapter 8. That's where we're going to be today. Again, if you're a newcomer, we are working our way through the book of the Bible that we know of as Romans. And it is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church, a group of believers in the city of Rome. And so one of the things that we've been saying throughout this is you're diving in. We're about halfway through this series. And, but this is a letter. And so each of these lines, each of these paragraphs build off of each other. And so if you want to get the most out of what is to come, it'd be really helpful for you to know kind of where we've been. And so I always encourage you, you can always go back and watch on our website or on our YouTube channel, or we have a dedicated podcast where you can just listen just to the sermon. And so that's available. And I've been told that if you put my voice at 1.5 speed on the podcast, it's like perfect. So you can try that hypothesis. Uh, Today, we're going to do as we've done throughout this series. We're going to read our text aloud from the book of Romans, and then we will work through it together. So if you are able, I'd invite you to stand where you are, and we're going to read our text today, which is Romans 8, verses 18 through 25. 18 through 25. And this is the word of the Lord. I considered that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. 
Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Father God, thanks for the opportunity to open up your word today. Father, I pray that as we uh, read it and learn and, and, uh, and work through it together, God, I pray that your spirit would move among your people to transform us into the likeness of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you. So as we begin today, I feel like I need to beat a bit of a dead horse. I've said this several times throughout this series, but there in your Bible, between verses 17 and 18, you likely have a space and a heading in the middle of your text, and I just want to remind you that the Apostle Paul didn't put that in there, all right? So your Bible publisher put that in there. What Paul is doing, he's there's a connection between verses 17 and verses 18 that we can psychologically miss because there's a header there. So I do need to take one step back and remind us where we left off last week. He said this, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. So this amazing promise that he gave us last week that we are God's children. And if we are the sons of God, because we are in the Son of God, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Heirs meaning that all that God owns belongs to us. We are co-heirs with Christ, meaning that all that Jesus has is ours. We are co-heirs with him on all of it. There is this one caveat, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we might also share in his glory. And I left you last week with this question, are you willing to suffer with Jesus so that you can receive the inheritance of Jesus? A lot of us want this part, but we don't want this part. But the scripture says you don't get one without the other. And so, the question becomes, are we willing to suffer with Jesus? To suffer like Jesus? To receive the inheritance of Jesus? And the question then becomes, well, what kind of suffering are we talking about? Which is a good question. And as you jump down into verse 18, as we read, it said simply, this present suffering. Like whatever suffering that takes place in this life, I think is the suffering that he's talking about. He's talking about the suffering that comes from living in a world that has been cursed by sin. It's the suffering of pediatric cancer. It's the suffering of a 20-something with MS. It's the suffering of a young mother with breast cancer or a young father who's killed in an accident. It's the suffering of Alzheimer's or autism. It's the suffering that comes with chronic and debilitating pain. It's the suffering of burying a child or burying a spouse. It's the suffering of losing a parent when your age is still in the single digits. It's the suffering of multiple miscarriages. 
and the suffering of an abortion. It's the suffering of broken and abusive relationships. It's the suffering of betrayal and abandonment. It's the suffering of being gossiped about and lied to. It's the suffering of addiction and anxiety and depression and suicide. It's the suffering of divorce and bankruptcies and wildfires and missile attacks. Like, like all of the suffering that comes with being in this life, on this planet in 2023. I think it's all included when he talks about this present sufferings. And what he's saying is that we have to be able to endure all of that suffering with our faith intact, just as Jesus did. If we want to inherit his glory, we have to suffer like him, to be heirs like him. Which brings us back to our text for today. Paul writes, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, read this verse with the backdrop, against the backdrop of all of that suffering that, he, that he's pointing us to. All of the present suffering. With Think about all of the present suffering, all of your present suffering And then think about this first. Paul, with all of that suffering as a backdrop, says, I consider that our present suffering are not worth comparing to the glory that would be revealed in us. And I just want you to pause for just a moment and imagine saying that to someone in the midst of the greatest suffering they've ever endured. Could you imagine saying that to them in that moment? Hey, I know your husband just passed away suddenly and you have no idea what's going to happen next. But hey, good news. Our present sufferings aren't worth comparing to the glory that's to come. Could you imagine saying that? Or saying to a mother who's holding a baby that, that everybody in the hospital knows only has a couple of hours to live outside the womb. And you walk in and you say to them, Hey, I know it's tough right now, but our present sufferings aren't worth comparing to the future glory. Could you imagine saying that? Or to a husband of 60 years watching his wife take her last painful gasp of breath on this planet? Like, we wouldn't do that. Like, it may be true, but it's just not helpful in that moment. Many years ago, I tried to help our church put our lives into perspective. Because if we're truly going to understand what Paul's trying to teach us here, we have to put our sufferings into perspective. And so I used a rope like this. And I said, imagine this is your life. It has a beginning point, but it doesn't have an end point. Like it just keeps going and going and going. Like it just doesn't stop. Like what scripture teaches us is that that everything, I'm sorry, everyone that you meet will spend eternity somewhere. Your existence had a start, but it doesn't have an end. So imagine this is the timeline of your existence. And this little red piece is your time on earth. 
Like, this is it. Like, all of your days, from the moment you are born to the time you enter into eternity, this is it. Now, imagine for a moment that all of this life that you are living right now, this little red piece, this part while you're on earth, all of this is just full of suffering. Like all of it. Like from the beginning. Like this is where your father abused you. And this is this is where the car wreck happened that took your brother. And this is the chronic illness for your mom. And this is where your husband had an affair. And this is where the bankruptcy happened. And this is where the house fire was. And this is where the bankruptcy occurred. And this is when the blindness came in. And this is where your kid died. This is where your spouse left. And this is where the diabetes took your leg. And this is where the cancer first started. And this is where the Alzheimer's began. Like, just imagine that every bit of this, from, the, from start to finish, was nothing but suffering. When we only think about our life, as this little red piece here, when this is all we think about our life, then that, that kind of suffering can just be overwhelming. But what Paul is trying to do is to help us zoom out for just a moment and remind us that for all of us who are in Christ, our existence goes well beyond what we experience here in this life. Like it just keeps going on and on and on and on and it just never stops. But every bit of all of your suffering, no matter how terrible it is, all of it will be confined to this little space. Like all of your suffering has an end point to whereby it can go no further in your existence. So Paul says, look, your suffering won't move past this point from where you go from this life into this life. From this body into eternity. And Paul's trying to get us to put all of our suffering into that context. And when we begin to realize that all of my suffering is confined to right here, then all of a sudden it makes sense. It makes sense when he says, all of this present suffering, it is not worth comparing to the future glory that is in Christ Jesus. Like you can't, they don't even compare. They don't even compare. Which my hope is that makes this suffering more easy to endure. When, when we realize that it's, it's, not a, it's a blip on the timeline of your existence. And again, we have to remember who's writing this. This is, this, is not, this is not someone who lived in an ivory tower. This was the Apostle Paul. This was the Apostle Paul, the, guys who, the guy who spent years in chains for nothing but sharing the gospel, who was beaten with rods, who was, who was 
whipped with a cat of nine tails on multiple occasions. He was put in stocks and thrown into the dungeon. He, got, he went days without food. He had to run for his life. He was sneaking out of windows to, to, to run away from people who were trying to kill him. He was in shipwrecks and bitten by vipers. He was once stoned to death. He had a chronic illness that he prayed, God, please take it away. And God said, no. I'm going to use it for your sanctification. This man knew suffering. He knew it. And yet, listen to how he talks about his suffering. Listen to how he describes it. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. <laughs> light and momentary? Is there anybody in this room right now who would say, you know what? Paul, I'll trade you. I'll take your sufferings if you'll take mine. Anybody want that deal? No. Nobody's wanting to sign up for that. Yet he says, ah, it's light and momentary. And you're like, Paul, are you crazy? No, he's not crazy. He just has a bigger understanding of what life is. That it just goes on and on and on and on. And he says, what you experience in this eternity, eternity, it never stops. It does not compare to what we, the hardship that we're experiencing here. And so he says, so we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, not on this little piece, not on all the little parts that make up this eye. We don't fix our eyes on that, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary. All of your suffering here, it is temporary. It has a time stamp where it will be finished. It'll be done. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It'll never stop. There will be a day when every one of us will cross over from this red portion, this body, this life that we're living now, into this white portion, where eternity will begin. There will be a day when that happens for every single one of us. When we go from the red to the white, and I want you to see what, what, what Scripture says will happen when, when that happens. It says, when that happens, look, the dwelling place, I'm sorry, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them, and they will be His people. And God himself will be with him and be their God. There's going to be a day when we cross over from this life into eternity and we, like Adam and Eve in the garden, will be in the very presence of God. We get to walk with him and see his face. He will be with us and we will be with him. And in that moment, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Like in, that, in that moment, all of this suffering, all of the tears, all of the pain, all of the heartache, all of the shame will be gone forever. It will be gone. That's what makes up all of eternity. But, but again, it's not just about what gets taken away. It's also about what gets given to us in this moment. Look what he says. 
Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. It's not that just all of the pain goes away. It's that in this white, in the presence of God for all eternity, what we get is joy. Joy in his presence forever and ever and ever. It just keeps going. And with eternal pleasures at his right hand, like they never stop. All of your pain gets, gets replaced with eternal pleasures at the very hand of God. It's not just about what goes away. It's about what we get. So here's the question I have for you today. What amount of suffering in this bit of your existence, what amount of suffering during this season of your existence is worth you punting all of this with God? What amount of suffering here or here or here is worth you walking away from joy in the presence of the Lord, for eternal pleasures at His right hand. What amount of suffering could you endure, have to endure here, that would cause you to punt on your faith and walk away from this promise forever? That's the perspective Paul's trying to get us to have. That it doesn't matter how much that you have to suffer in this world, and you will suffer. And I'm not trying to at all minimize your pain, your suffering. You will have that pain. Many of you will endure pain, loss, and you will endure it for the rest of your days on this planet. But that day has an end. Whatever suffering you're enduring, it's temporary. It's a blip on the timeline of our existence. But here's the thing. It's not, we're not the only ones who are tired of the suffering. Like we're not the only ones who are ready for the suffering to end. Check out what Paul says next in our text. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Whenever you see this word creation in this text, it's everything except for people. Okay, so opposed to the children of God, those who are in Christ, all of the rest of creation is waiting for the children of God to cross this line so eternity begins and the suffering ends. All of creation is longing for that day. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. Paul says all of creation is suffering. Like all of it. Everything and everyone is subjected to frustration. Because all of creation has to deal with the curse of sin. Nothing in this world is exempt from suffering. Now on the one hand, that may sound like bad news. Everything and everyone is going to suffer. Yeah, that sounds like bad news. But let me, let me flip it just a little bit. Let me try to spin it for you this way. 
For some of you, every time trouble comes or every time suffering comes, there's something in you that says, God must not love me. Or God must, God must be punishing me. Because if God loved me, then I wouldn't be going through this. But what this text teaches us is that's not true. Everything and everyone, all of creation is enduring suffering. All of creation is under the curse of sin. In other words, your suffering is not unique. It is not God calling you out. It is not God punishing you necessarily. It isn't God picking on you. All of creation is subjected to frustration. All of it. Even the parts of creation that cannot and have not ever sinned. Like everything in creation is in bondage to sin. It is in bondage to decay. Like nothing is able to operate as it was designed. Nothing last as long as it should. Nothing can be enjoyed in the way that it was meant to be. Everything is breaking down, running out, and rotting away. And again, if you were here last week, I already shared with you, like if you're over 40, you know that, right? And here's the kicker. Creation was subjected to it, but they didn't, creation didn't do anything wrong. Man did. Humanity did. And yet the beavers and bobcats and orangutans and orchids and Saturn and seagulls and junipers and jellyfish and pin oaks and porcupines and frogs and fleas and flies and fungus are all suffering because of our sin. They all are paying the price. They are all decaying even as we speak right now. And they're groaning, waiting for the consequence of our sin to be lifted. They're all suffering because of the consequence of sin. We know that the whole creation, every bit of it, has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Like all of it, like all of creation, it's groaning. It's in pain. Longing to be freed from its bondage to decay. And look at the, look at the analogy he uses. He says, it's like the pains of childbirth. It's like the pains of childbirth. I figure as a middle-aged man, I can speak to this. Like, don't miss this, though. What's the point of the pains of childbirth? Like, what's the point? It's to bring about life. That's what the pains of childbirth do. It brings about life. The pains of childbirth, they are not random. But they tell you something's coming. Something's about to happen. The pains of childbirth are painful, so I've been told. But they are pain with a purpose. They are producing something wonderful. They're bringing about new life. And the closer you get to the moment of glory, the worse the pain becomes. 
And that's the image that Paul says is happening in creation, that it's groaning in the pains of childbirth, like the pain gets worse before the glory is revealed. The whole of creation is having these birth pains. And it, these birth pains are pointing to the fact that something grand is on the way. That the pain is going to be greatest right before the glory. This suffering isn't just for all of creation. Paul says not only so, not only is creation enduring this, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. So not only is creation groaning, but we're groaning. We ourselves, Paul's now talking to those who are in Christ Jesus, talking to those in the church, that we're groaning too. Which it seems like if anybody would be exempt from the suffering that this life has to offer, it would be the children of God. Like those who've been given the very Spirit of God, it seems like those people would get a pass. We're God's children. We have His Spirit. We should not have to endure the suffering that comes with the cause of sin all over the rest of the world. We, we should get a pass. Paul says, but we don't. We're groaning too. We're groaning too. As we await, eagerly await, our adoption to sonship. Which some of you, if you're here last week, you thought, wait, wait, wait. I thought we were already sons of God. That all of us, men and women alike, we've been given the status of the very Son of God. I thought you already said we've been adopted as son. Yes and amen, that's true. But all that you are is not all that you will be. There's more to come. I love the way John puts it. John writes it this way, Dear friends, now, right now, we are the children of God. If you're in Christ, you are a child of God, right now. However, what we will be has not yet been made known. But, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. He says, right now, now we are the children of God. But you are not what you're going to be. There's going to be a day when Jesus comes back. And this little red spot of earth, it's going to end once and for all. It's going to be gone. And God's going to start everything anew. And we're all going to cross over into eternity. And he says, when that happens, when Jesus comes back and the red goes away and nothing but the white is left for the people of God, when that happens, he says, we will be like him. Jesus came, when Jesus came the first time, we just celebrated it at Christmas. When Jesus came the first time, he came from heaven to earth to be like us. He came to be like us in the flesh, to live as we do. But when he comes back, he's not coming to be like us. He's coming back to make us like him. He's coming back and we're going to get to experience what it is to be like him. Our full adoption to sonship where we get to be transformed into the likeness of Christ fully and finally. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Like it's not that He's just redeemed our spirits. No, no, no. He's coming back to redeem our bodies. We're going to be like Jesus, a resurrected body 
Your mind is going to be redeemed. No more anxiety and no more depression. Your joints are going to be redeemed. No more arthritis. Your eyes are going to be redeemed. No more uh, contacts or cataracts. Your ears are going to be redeemed. No more tinnitus or hearing aids. Your bones are going to be redeemed. No more osteoporosis. Your heart is going to be redeemed. No more cardiac arrest or pacemakers. Your gut's going to be redeemed. No more Crohn's disease or IBS. Your kidneys are going to be redeemed. No more dialysis. Your cells are going to be redeemed. No more mutations or cancers or chemo. Like it's all going to be redeemed. Your skin won't rip. Your teeth won't rot. Your hair won't fall out. Your bladder won't leak. Your knees won't knock, lock up. Your back won't hurt. And your taste and your smell is going to return finally. And it's going to return 10,000 times better than it was before. Because we're not just going to get the body that we used to have. We're going to get a glorified body that we were meant to have. But we don't have it now. Because of the curse of sin. But we, who are the sons of God, will be made into just like the Son of God. That's why we have to wait until this goes from the red to the white for us. It hasn't happened yet. For in this hope, we were saved. When we had the hope and we understand eternity and Jesus and what he did, putting our hope in the fact that God's going to, he has redeemed us. This is the already and the not yet of our salvation. We have been saved, but we're still being saved. And one day we will be saved. Fully and finally. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We are the sons of God. But we are still groaning. Waiting to be turned into, made like, redeemed fully like the Son of God. We aren't yet what we will be. We don't have what we will have. We're still waiting for it. And it's in this hope that we are saved. See, that hope is our faith put into practice. This hope is not, see, when we speak of hope, our hope stems from our doubts. Like, Today, I hope my team wins. But our hope stems from our doubts. That's not the biblical kind of hope. This biblical idea of hope does not stem from doubt. It stems from certainty. It's a hope that says, I don't see it, but I know it's real. I don't have it, but I know it's coming. And the reason that we are able to have that hope is because God has already given us His Spirit in us as a guarantee of our inheritance. It's a hope born out of our certainty that we believe that God is going to finish what He started. If we already had it, we'd have no reason for hope. If we already had it, there would be no need for faith. We'd be walking by sight. But we don't see it. We don't have it. So we, we walk in hope and in faith 
And we believe it and we long for it and we wait for it and we pursue it. So that whenever suffering comes in this life, we don't punt it because we know that that suffering has an end date. It is temporal and temporary. And it is not worth comparing to the glory that is to come for those who are in Christ Jesus. So the question is, How do we keep our faith in the midst of all of this suffering? How do we keep the right perspective that gives us the hope that this will end? A lot of answers to that. Let me just give you one quick one. I think the answer is we have to do it in community. Like one of the core values here at Quad City is that we are better together. Like like we were never meant to try to follow Jesus by ourselves. We need each other. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, Paul puts it this way. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Like we have to have people all throughout this journey in all of the points of pain and suffering. We have to have some people who are willing to walk alongside us in this. We need each other. We need each other for those moments and those days where we don't have hope anymore and they can share some of theirs. And we need people in our life who can remind us of no matter how bad this gets, it does not compare to all of the glory that is to come. So keep going. and Don't give up. Which is why we here at Quad City, we are rolling out these discipleship this is the first you've heard of it. Where would you be willing? Would you be willing to, to to take a step to put yourself in an environment to whereby you can be fully known and fully loved? Like these discipleship groups are gender specific, five people, and we want you to be in them for a while so that you have people who know you deeply, who love you fully. The only way that you can be fully loved is if you are fully known. When you hide your stuff, they're not loving the real you. They're they're loving the fake you that you're putting forward. They have to know the real you to be able to actually love the real you. We want to provide a place where, where you can have some people who are practicing the gospel with you over and over and over again. A place where you can be transparent. And let the gospel seep into your life in ways that it never has before. The place where people can suffer with you and keep reminding you, no matter how bad it gets. For some of you, it's going to get really bad. But no matter how bad it gets, this suffering does not compare with the glory that is to come. So don't quit. Let me pray. Father, we are grateful. We're grateful that we don't have to do this alone, that you've given us church followers of Jesus to walk alongside us. And I pray for everyone in here that they would find those people that they can be fully open and honest with so that they can experience the full glory of the gospel in their life. Well, thank you for your word and the hope that comes with it. It's in Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.
Amen. And thank you so much for joining us today here at the Quad City Podcast. Hey, our desire is that we would each look more and more like Jesus every day, week, month, and year. And we know that that doesn't just come from learning more about him and his word, but by actually applying it to our lives today. We hope that you take this message that you heard today and apply it to your life in a way that makes you honor him. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to download the Quad City app and we will see you again next time.